How good it is to see all of you here. Isn't it great to praise God together? God is so good. God is so good. Well, let's open our Bibles together. It's always a privilege to look in to the scriptures and see what God has for us. So turn with me to Matthew chapter 27. Matthew 27, we'll read verses 45 through 56. Matthew 27, 45 through 56. The death of Jesus. From noon until three in the afternoon, darkness came over all the land. About three in the afternoon, Jesus cried out in a loud voice, Eli, Eli, lema sabachthani, which means, my God, my God. Why have you forsaken me? When some of those standing there heard this, they said, he's calling Elijah. Immediately, one of them ran and got a sponge. He filled it with wine vinegar, put it on a staff, and offered it to Jesus to drink. The rest said, now leave him alone. Let's see if Elijah comes to save him. And when Jesus had cried out again in a loud voice, He gave up his spirit. At that moment, the curtain of the temple was torn in two from top to bottom. The earth shook, the rocks split, and the tombs broke open. The bodies of many holy people who had died were raised to life. They came out of the tombs after Jesus' resurrection and went into the holy city and appeared to many people. When the centurion and those who, with him who were guarding Jesus saw the earthquake and all that had happened, they were terrified and exclaimed, surely he was the son of God. Many women were there watching from a distance. They had followed Jesus from Galilee to care for his needs. Among them were Mary Magdalene, Mary the mother of James and Joseph, and the mother of Zebedee's sons. Friends, this is God's word for us today. Thank you, God. Would you come in the power of your Holy Spirit and be our teacher today, Lord? We want to hear your voice speaking to us, and we are opening our hearts to listen to you. In Jesus' name, amen. There's a company named Splash Data that every year in December publishes a list of the most popular passwords. They, they gained, uh, or they, they, uh, they looked at 5 million computer passwords that hackers were able to uh, get a hold of that were leaked in 2017, and they made a list of the most popular passwords out there. One quick glance tells us Two things. One, we never learn. And two, there's a lot of Star Wars fans out there. You know what the number one password that people use in the U.S. is? One, two, three, four, five, six. You want to know what the second most popular one is? Password. Right. The word password. Star Wars came in at 16. 
But, we, you know, we all know why people use passwords like that, right? Because we've all had that experience of logging into one of our accounts and the password doesn't work. And then we're like, oh, yeah, which password do I use for this one? Is it my old standby? Or is it my old standby with the capital letter because they made me put in a capital and an exclamation point at the end because they made me add some other characters? Or is it that new one I came up with that I thought would be so good and now I can't remember? It is so frustrating to be trying to log into your bank account or whatever and, you know, those red words come up, password incorrect. Access denied. Imagine how much more frustrating that would be if it was not just your Amazon account or eBay or your bank account, but something that your life depended on. Imagine if your life depended on being able to have access to this account and you were never allowed to know the password or the administrators kept changing the password. That was kind of the situation that people were in in the days when Jesus walked this earth. We're in this series, Real Jesus, and we're asking who, who was the real Jesus and what did real people think about him and what was he really doing here and what would it be like for us if we let the real Jesus into our lives? So we're putting together the pieces of who the real Jesus really was. You can see our, our pieces are kind of coming together here. I think next week you may see them all together. So people in Jesus' day had this huge confusing, elaborate, burdensome system to get to God. They had this system sort of of passwords. What had started out in the Old Testament as a way for people to know God, to know who he was, and to relate to God in a way that that they could understand had been covered by layers and layers and layers of tradition and rules that blocked access to God. And at the center of all those traditions and all those rules was the temple. It was literally the center of the religious life of God's people. And this this temple was all full of layers. There there were all these courtyards, and and they... uh, had all these rules about who could be there and who couldn't be there. The outermost courtyard was called the courtyard of the the Gentiles. And anybody who was not Jewish but who had come to honor God or just to see the beauty of the temple was allowed to be there. Foreigners could come to the outer courtyard and they could uh, even purchase animals to give to the priests to sacrifice on their behalf. They had to use temple money, not their foreign money, and so that was where the whole money changers thing came in that made Jesus so upset. So they were all allowed in the outer, uh, outer courtyard. And then once you wanted to go farther into the temple, you would run up against a sign. There was a sign there that said, uh, no foreigner is to enter within the forecourt and the railing around the sanctuary. Whoever is caught 
will have himself to blame for his subsequent death. Archaeologists recently found some fragments of that sign. You will have yourself to blame for your subsequent death. I've seen some warning signs, but that one's pretty serious. The Romans didn't allow the Jews to carry out capital punishment except in this one offense. That was how serious it was. Only Jews could come into this second courtyard. But they had to be Jews who were ritually clean. And even if you were Jewish, Jewish, if you were blind or lame or a leper or a notorious sinner like a tax collector, you weren't allowed in. There was one that the, the, the second court was kind of divided into, into subcourts. Like the women could go a little bit farther in, but no farther. Jewish men could go in farther, and then only priests could go even to the end of that court. And then in the third sort of level was the Holy of Holies. Isn't that a great name? The Holy of Holies. You get the idea. It's holy, right? It's the Holy of Holies. This is the farthest in. This was understood to be the place where God himself resided. The glory of God resided in the Holy of Holies. It was the place where heaven and earth were understood to be touching there. Only one man could enter the Holy of Holies. And that was the the priest that was designated one time a year Uh, the high priest. He could enter the most holy place, the Holy of Holies, on the Day of Atonement. He had to wear special clothes. He had to bring with him the proper sacrifice. If the high priest entered the Holy of Holies on any other day than the Day of Atonement, he would be struck dead. And if he came without the proper sacrifice, he would be struck dead. It was serious. The entrance to the Holy of Holies was covered with a thick curtain. Now, when you think of a curtain, you might think of whatever's hanging in your living room. This was not a curtain like that kind of a curtain. It was huge. It was, (laughs) it just sounded like Billy Fusillo there, didn't I? (laughs) It was huge. (laughs) Well, this was a huge curtain. It was made of really thick, elaborate, designs of angels and thick yarn. Jewish writers say that it was 60 feet long and 20 feet high and several inches thick. Can you imagine fabric that's like thick? They said that it took 300 men to lift it up. This was a heavy curtain. It all added up. All these layers, the outer court, the inner court, these layers of courts, the holy of holies, it all added up to one message. God is in there. You are out here. And you should not, the two should not meet. Keep it that way. God is in there and you are out there. Access denied. And here's where our scripture for today comes in. It starts on Palm Sunday where we started this morning and now we fast forwarded to Friday, the 
the crowd has reached a boiling point. Jesus' life has reached a boiling point and exploded, and he has been crucified. And we, we meet him today in our scripture on the cross. You usually think about the cross, we talk about that in terms of Jesus paying for our forgiveness, and that's, that's very true, but there are these other signs that Matthew gives us that help us understand the fullness of what Jesus was doing there on that cross. We see the curtain being torn. We see an earthquake, people coming up out of their graves. Verse 50 says, when Jesus had cried out again in a loud voice, he gave up his spirit. He died. In verse 51, at that moment, at that very moment, the curtain in the temple was torn in two from top to bottom. It was torn in two from top to bottom. The indication is that no human effort could have done this. There weren't people standing on the sides ripping it. It was from top to bottom. Only the hand of God could have done that. Jesus sacrificed did that. Ray Pritchard puts it this way, when Jesus died, the father preached a sermon without words when he tore the curtain in two from top to bottom. Jesus' sacrifice opened the way for people to have access to God. He opened access to God. He made a new password for all of us to have access to God instead of all those courts and rules and places where there was no access and warning signs, he made a new password, J-E-S-U-S. That's how we have access. Reflecting on this later, the writer of Hebrews put it this way, therefore, brothers and sisters, since we have confidence to enter the most holy place, the holy of holies, by the blood of Jesus, by a new and living way open for us through the curtain, that is, through Jesus' body. And since we have a great high priest over the house of God, let us draw near to God with a sincere heart and a full assurance of faith, having our hearts sprinkled to cleanse us from a guilty conscience and having our bodies washed with pure water. Let us hold unswervingly to the hope we profess, for he who promised is faithful. Jesus opened the way to the Holy of Holies for us. He gave us access, and all those different levels became obsolete. Before Christ came, the the temple was a picture of the human, humanity's relationship with God and with each other. There was separation between God and people, between Jew and Gentile, between men and women. There were all these levels. Doug Reed puts it this way. We were stuck looking down on our neighbor and up at an unreachable God. That was the situation humanity was stuck in. But by dying and rising again, Jesus knocked down all those walls. He tore the curtain open, the curtain that separated all of us 
to bring us into contact with God. The Apostle Paul puts it this way in Ephesians. But now in Christ, you who were once far off, maybe in that outer courtyard, you were once far off, have been brought near by the blood of Christ. For he himself is our peace, who has made both one and has broken down the wall of separation. He says later in Ephesians, now therefore you are no longer strangers and foreigners, you're not stuck in the outer courtyard, but fellow citizens and saints with the saints and members of the household of God. It used to be that Gentiles and Jews couldn't mix, couldn't eat with each other. And even if you were in that inner court of God's chosen people, there were all these levels. If you were disabled, or if you were a woman, or if you had all these other things going on, all these levels, but listen to what Jesus did. Galatians 3, 26 through 28. For you are all children of God through faith in Jesus Christ. He put us all in the same courtyard. For as many of you as were baptized into Christ have put on Christ. There is neither Jew nor Greek. There is neither slave nor free. There is neither male nor female. You are all one in Jesus Christ. That is good news. You know, when John F. Kennedy was president, he had children who were young, little kids. And one of the most famous pictures that came out of his presidency was of John F. Kennedy Jr. playing under the desk at the Oval Office while JFK sat there as president working. That picture captured people's imagination. Imagine having that kind of access to the most powerful man in the world that you could comfortably play under his desk. That's a great picture of a Christian. And that's a great picture of what Jesus did for us. He gave us complete access anytime, anywhere to God. You know, we humans like to create all these levels of barriers between us and God. We don't have the temple system to deal with anymore, but we very ably create our own barriers and warnings and levels, even in our own minds and hearts. It's so easy to believe that our access to God can be earned by being good. You know, that God will like me more or love me more or treat me more kindly if I can really do some good things in this world. You hear people say this all the time. She's a good person. She'll go to heaven. Or I hope I'm going to heaven. I hope I've been good enough. But really, what Jesus says is it's all about grace. He paid it all for us. So we don't have to be good enough. None of us can be good enough. I hate to tell you, but you're not good enough. <laughs> I'm not good enough. Not one of us is good enough, but Jesus is good enough. That is grace. Bono, the lead singer for U2, said in an interview, it's a powerful idea, grace. It really is. He goes on to say, you know, we hear so much of karma and so little of grace. 
Every religion teaches us about karma. And well, what you put out, you will receive. And even in Christianity, which is supposed to be about grace, it's turned, you know, to redemption, it's turned redemption into good manners or the right accent or, you know, good works or whatever it is. I just can't get over grace. We don't have to earn our way into the holy of holies. Or maybe your problem is the exact opposite. Not that you think you have a good shot at being good enough, but that you have no hope of being good enough. Sometimes we believe that our weaknesses and our failures can undo what Jesus has done on the cross. We think, well, I'm damaged goods. I'm not really cut out for a relationship with God. I don't know enough. I've never read through my whole Bible. I don't know what this is all about. I'm not church material. I've had numerous people say to me, if I walked into a church, the roof would fall in. You know, I'm just, I'm not church material. Maybe we think we're good enough to have access to God, but we think our neighbor belongs in the outer court of the Gentiles. Sometimes we make those divisions for other people as well. You know, what that looming, heavy curtain seemed to say was, stand back. Keep your distance. God is not for you. But, say the gospel writers, one day on, at Golgotha, between two thieves, a friend of sinners gave up his life, and the curtain was torn, and the road to access was opened for all of us. The presence of God is now Spilling out into the world is how Andrew Wilson put it. God's no longer hidden away in a password-protected room. God is found wherever two or three people gather in his name. God is found wherever we share a cup of cold water with someone who's thirsty or share our food with someone who is hungry. His presence lives inside each person who humbly asks for his forgiveness and who welcomes him as leader in their lives. When Jesus gave up his life, that curtain was torn from top to bottom. It was like God saying, you are welcome in my family. Don't let anything keep you away. You know, there is nothing to keep you away. There's nothing. So let's enter the Holy of Holies now, today. Why should we stay away? There is nothing to keep us away. Let's come to him, maybe for the first time, maybe for the millionth time. Let's not stay away. The Holy Spirit's job is to give us access, and he can do that right now. After all, he's our Father. He's our all in all, and he welcomes us to come and sit down and rejoice with him to let him give us a new start, a clean heart, a purpose in life, forgiveness, eternal life with him. Remember what Hebrews says? 
since we have confidence, confidence to enter the Holy of Holies by the blood of Jesus, by a new and living way opened up for us through the curtain that is his body, and since we have a great high priest over the house of God, let us draw near to God with a sincere heart. You may be saying, yeah, but, but I've got my reasons. Would you find a piece of paper? There's little slips of paper, scrap paper in the, behind the offering envelopes, or they're in your, in your um, bulletin. There's a page for notes. You could even just take one of the sheets out of your bulletin or tear something off the back. Find a piece of paper. And write on that piece of paper whatever your hesitations are, whatever you think might be blocking you from coming into the presence of God. Is there anything that's in the way of a relationship between you and God? Maybe it's something as mundane as habit or boredom. Or maybe you have some serious things that make you say, I am not a candidate for a a relationship with God. I'm just not cut out for that. Whatever it is in your life, write it down. Write it down. You know, because of Jesus' sacrifice, we can enter into the very presence of God. If you got your paper, would you stand up and... Hold your paper. Stand up. Take your paper. And let's tear it from top to bottom. Jesus' sacrifice welcomes us into the very presence of God, into the holy of holies. You know, Before Jesus' sacrifice, it was death to go in. Now it's death to stay out. Thank you, Jesus. Let's pray together. God, we never, we never could have this access without what you've done, so thank you. Thank you, Jesus. Now give us the courage to live in that holy of holies every day to know that your presence is in us and with us and nothing can take that away. May that give us power and courage for the days ahead. Thank you, Jesus. We pray it in your name. Amen. Now go in the presence and the power of God who loves you enough to live for you and die for you and who gave you everything you need. Go share that with the world this week. Go in God's peace. Amen.